Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I uh, accidentally tried to kick this record. I tried to record the episode we're about to talk about when we were scheduled to record something entirely other than this. Yeah. We we had a Star Trek prodigy episode that we needed to record, and I, I got into the intro, and you just looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you prepped for the wrong thing. I prepped for the wrong thing. I'm sure that uh, if that Prodigy episode is out by the time this airs on our hit new Star Trek podcast, Greatest Trek, uh, (laughs) it will already be considered legendary. It's true. Bottles, You apologized over and over again, and I told you, don't worry about it. It, like... Cut it out. <laughs> I'm right. I feel great. <laughs> I prepared correctly and came ready to work for once. Yeah. And that was the only way I needed to feel about it. I didn't need your guilt. Yeah. Well, I guess you it. could say I had a bad moment. You did. You had a bad podcast moment. There's something we like to talk about at the beginning of uh, some of these shows. And that's how becoming professional quote-unquote comedy podcasters has ruined us for normal life. That's right. It makes us unfit to be out in the world. (laughs) As in my first story of having a bad bit moment, Ben. Wow. Lay it on me, Adam. Bits, bits, bits. You're always doing bits, bits, bits. You're always doing bits, bits, bits. I was doing bits. Bad bit moment. Bad bit moment. So my dog's broken dog pussy requires (laughs) (laughs) medication. Yeah. Daily, twice daily. And I was running low. And I got to get a refill. They'll only give you a month of this stuff for some reason. They won't give you three months, which I would love. Are you ordering from one of these uh, online pet supply companies? Because we found out that we've been overpaying by like 5x for my dog's daily medication when we switched. Well, I'm going to have to look into that in this case cuz now I'm paying uh straight from the vet like a sucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might be paying through the nose, my friend. <laughs> so I call the dog pharmacist. I'm like, "Hey, uh I'm calling to get a refill for my beloved dog Ripley. Is that something you're able to do?" She's like, yeah, you're calling about the phenylpropylomanine? <laughs> and I was like, what? And she said, yeah, phenylpropanolamine. <laughs> and I said, Proen is the street name, right? <laughs> and like two seconds goes by. And she does a hold the phone away from her head laugh. <laughs> All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. This is a good bit moment, Ben. Wow. <laughs> I totally destroyed her. <laughs> You're always doing bits. Good bit moment. Big laughs all around. Wow. This never happens. I know. Amazing. I thought I'd surprise you. Yeah. Boy. 
I can't even wrap my mind around that bit, Adam. But she liked it. She did. She really did. That's great. I do have a bad bit moment, though. Okay. All right. Because, let's be honest, I can't just give you a good bit moment and have that be the thing. No. Like, like have that be the reputation that somehow I'm going out in the world being a joy to be around for strangers. (laughs) That's not the truth. Yeah. My very presence can be seen as an inconvenience at best. To most people. You know, just drafting off that idea. Yeah. My parents were in town. They they wanted to do something for my uh, for my birthday. They offered to send me and Did rate. I forget about your birthday again? No, no, it hasn't okay. happened yet. But right. was, they were in town early. They were they were like, go out to dinner. It's on us. We'll look after the baby. And this was like, this is a great gift. Wow. Yeah. We're gonna remember this forever. Our first night out without the baby. We go to uh, Musso and Frank, a legendary steakhouse in Hollywood, California. Wow. We got there a little bit ahead of our res and went to have a martini at the bar. Cool. And uh, the bar was full except for one seat at the very end. And my wife sits down and then I'm standing in like the service area slash like near the door to the kitchen for that side of the dining room. Oh, they hate that. And I'm, I'm just like, this is like. A perfect metaphor for my entire life. I always feel like I'm like a little bit in everybody's way. Yeah. And like there was one seat, but it should not go to me. It should go to my wife, obviously. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so here I am on my birthday dinner, like having a martini while looking at like the place where they scrape the plates into the garbage. (laughs) Here is you on your birthday with the worst setup. Yeah. Metaphor. I think that like when I think about what a bad bit moment is like, it is like making the essence of that. Yeah. Something that everyone is suddenly aware of. It's true. The more public, the better. Yeah. So uh, what's your second bad bit, Adam? It's a little more public than the first. The first was a phone call. This one, aboard a Delta Airlines flight. Mm. I'm sitting up front. (laughs) Oh, I've just oh. in, I've just enjoyed a delicious breakfast, and uh, one of the breakfast items was just a fucking banging banana bread, like Dang. one of the best pieces of banana bread I've ever had. Wow! And I made sure to tell the flight attendant how much I liked it, but the way I told the flight attendant how much I liked it was a bad bit moment. <laughs> I, I handed my my tray back over. I'm a windowman, so I, I handed my tray over the one person in the aisle. Right. The Ben proxy. Right. Yeah, who were you flying with? I'm a little offended by this. And I said, this banana bread was great. You make a great banana bread. <laughs> and the flight attendant looked at me, unsmiling, anti-smiling even, and was like, I didn't make it. <laughs> Wheeled around and left. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. <laughs> and it made me feel bad the rest of the flight. <laughs> because I was hoping, like, of course they didn't make the banana bread. Yeah. You want me to explain the joke? <laughs> Giving responsibility for the good thing to someone who doesn't deserve it. Yeah. That's the joke. When I worked in a restaurant, First day that I worked there, the staff meeting before dinner service, mm-hmm. I was being trained. I didn't know my ass from my elbow at this point. Mm. The manager of the restaurant fucking lit up the waiters for saying, 
when they were telling people like what was on the menu that day, saying like, I've got a filet of fish, I've got a burger, I've got- The possessive form of the menu introduction. Like, you don't have shit, the chef has that. And really, really lit them up for taking any responsibility for the food at all. (laughs) I mean, this was a very toxic work environment for a lot of reasons, but I was like, I mean, the guy's got a point. You don't have shit. You didn't cook it. That is such a semantic copy edit criticism (laughs) that I can't help but like secretly admire and appreciate it and agree with it. Yeah, yeah. Guy was a total asshole, but uh, in this one instance, you know, stop clock. He had a good point. I love arguing semantics. Hmm. Do you want to uh, see if we get into any semantic debates on today's episode of Star Trek colon Voyager? They're all over the place, Ben, I'm sure. (laughs) I think we're going to run into many as we describe the characters involved in Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 24, Demon. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. You watched this episode, right? I did watch this episode. Okay. <laughs> you must be bucking for a promotion. Starts with uh, BLT back at work. And I was like, you know what? I bet what they're doing with Roxanne Dawson is uh, bringing her in. They're going to get one scene with her. Send her home. She's got a lot on her plate, right? She's been away for two episodes. Yeah. And they're she's back on the show. Definitely want to... Uh, Framer with the camera down low, shooting up. <laughs> Gotta do that. Yeah, she's all over this episode. She's in it a bunch. She is. I was uh, I was shocked by this. We open on them cutting power. The ship is going gray because uh, the deuterium supplies are, are running super low. And uh, this is the constant struggle with Voyager. They're not around star bases to resupply all the time. And when they run out of deuterium, they're fucked. Even at one quarter impulse, we'll be out of gas inside a week. I was pretty alarmed at how long they had let themselves go. Like how dangerous this situation was. This is like taking a long road trip and leaving the AC on full blast. Just (laughs) kind of white knuckling yourself to your destination those last 20 miles, you know? I think we've all been there. Sure. But... These are adults in command of a starship. You'd think that they would be more careful about their range. This is range anxiety. It's range anxiety. It's like, uh, yeah, there's that um, the big one podcast about what will happen when a huge earthquake hits Los Angeles. And one of the things that I learned from that is never let the tank in your gas-powered car get below 50%. Yeah. So you and I are both electric carmen. So mm-hmm. if I'm home, I'm usually plugged in one way or the other. So it's less of a concern with an electric, but yeah, like it, it definitely like changed the way I think about a car, like letting it go down to like almost nothing and then refilling seems dangerous actually. Yeah, it does. And there is no crew person who expresses this feeling of like, Captain really, really fucking kept driving with the AC on, huh? Like (laughs) what in the hell is this? Why are we in this situation? And it's so dire. Like, they're making decisions based on how little they can travel. Yeah, they have, like, a very limited amount of range. They can't go at warp to do that, which I guess uses more power than impulse. But, like, also, they don't know even where to look. Like, if we're using the road trip metaphor, there was a turnoff. There was, like, a, you know, one of those, there's a, a KFC, a McDonald's, and a Wiener Schnitzel. (laughs) 
right. and a Chevron station, yeah, like family road trip centers along the side of the highway. They they were at a quarter of a tank and they blew past that, and now it's like a hundred miles later, and they're like starting to go like, "Hey, I hope we see another one of those." I mean, don't you always want to carry enough fuel for the trip back to where you got the fuel last time, at least? <laughs> that way you're never going to run out. Yeah, that that would be ideal. But they're not doing that, and it's scary. It's very scary. It's so scary that like their rationing of energy is such that they're shutting off power and environmental controls to certain decks, and they're squeezing a bunch of crew people into the same quarters to conserve energy. Like, it's that dire. And it's like, take only what you need to survive if you're getting moved to another deck. And Neelix is catching Tuvok's hands because Neelix is trying to bring a lot of luxury items with him. What's this? It's my industrial strength hairdryer. And I can't live without it! Yeah, his luxury item is a book by Chirex. <laughs> One of the great breakfast cereals in my mind. Mm-hmm. And you can tell it's Talaxian because it's got an X in it. Yeah. Why stop Neelix from bringing a book and a blanket? Like, you would think more blankets mean less energy expended to keep Neelix warm. Yeah, and also, like, I think that they should have shown, like, what everyone else is doing to yeah. drive Neelix to try and, you know, invite himself to sleep in Six Bay because... Sleeping in six bay seems obvious. There's a bunch of beds in there. Mm-hmm. But like, let's see the like up the long ladder like disaster where there's a cargo bay with straw and animals running around. And that's like where everybody has to sleep, you know? Your hospitality leaves a hell of a lot to be desired. Sleeping in six bay sounds like a good idea in theory, but I feel like you'd fall off those narrow beds all the time. Yeah. What you want is like a more of a Star Trek prodigy bio bed, you know? You really do. Yeah. Something with some gutters and walls. Yeah. Meanwhile. <laughs> something with a drain. Something with a drain. Something with uh, various orifices, you know? Because yeah. uh, when you don't have any privacy, yeah. sometimes you just want to roll over and comfort <laughs> yourself. <laughs> do you think they ever thought about something more embarrassing for Neelix? Because you think this is going to get called back, this book. It's not. Neelix describes in great detail the importance of this author. Right. But like, it would be great if it were instead like the doc opens the book later and it's like and some like, fucking sex author. Right. You know? Like a like a glossy magazine falls out of the yeah. middle of the book. <laughs> Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> Neelix like lays out to try and like cover it up. No, 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 don't look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big, beautiful whiskers. <laughs> oh, Neelix, you're into feet. Uh-huh. Not surprising, actually. Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, up on the bridge, Harry is also catching dunks for all the ideas. Like, Tom Paris has this, like, get a bicycle set up in the mess hall and make Harry pedal it idea. Yeah. If you think this is a, a one-off, it is not. This is going to be a running theme in the episode. Star Trek is so weird because... This is an episode about Ensign Kim taking more of the initiative in his life and at work. Yeah. And immediately my thought is an alien has taken control of Ensign Kim. Like from (laughs) jump. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It's tough when you have a show that's sort of predicated on there not being that much change from episode to episode to like do character development. Yeah. (laughs) 
like so oh wait suddenly he has an ambition yeah since when chakotay goes to the ass lab to tell seven to shut things down over there seven's like you know if we're trying to find deuterium and this is the deuterium finding department maybe we shouldn't shut it down <laughs> idiot <laughs> and to prove her point she finds deuterium. Highly concentrated deuterium. Bang. Yeah, Just then. Yeah. She's like, I came here to chew gum and find deuterium, and I'm all out of gum. Yeah. She picks up this deuterium on a demon-class planet. This is the first of many, many, many times this description is leveled yeah. at this planet. And Chakotay is, well, that's too bad, because no one's going there. Demon planets suck. And... <laughs> And, and she's like, class Y. Exactly. Yeah, you think uh, Borgs gives a shit about a demon class planet? No, that's like the briar patch for them. They love yeah. that shit. Yes. Chicote's <laughs> like, we can't go there. It's suicide. And Seven's like, maybe it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> this ship pulls up and it's like, I mean, like they describe. <laughs> <laughs> the description is like going into orbit is like way too dangerous by itself like right. even going into orbit of a demon class planet forbidden essentially <laughs> orbit forbidden <laughs> demon is class forbidden <laughs> uh yeah but like they go into orbit and it doesn't really seem to be a problem yeah this time Seven's confidence in the ass lab, I think, is what makes her a great candidate to kind of lead the mission to capture some of this deuterium and beam it up to the transporter room in kind of a containment device situation. Because if you could just like mining is so much easier if you could just beam the deuterium right up to the ship. Like this is white glove mining is what this is, right? <laughs> Don't oh, even yeah. have to touch it. Yeah, this is the fancy stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, instead of black lung, you get white glove lung. Yeah. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Everything's going fine until it doesn't, though, because they beam the stuff up into the jar. Mm. Strangely, this is a jar not next to the warp core. Yeah, I, I was a little disoriented. I was yeah. like, it seems too dangerous not to put next to the warp core. Yeah. Yeah, but this thing uh, busts out of its glass jar and rocks the transporter operator behind Seven. <laughs> like, this guy gets the lightning bidet treatment. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that you can get that if you go to Burning Man. Somebody else will shock your taint. Oh, yeah. Anything to get your mind off of the dust going into your eyes, <laughs> nose, and ears. Yeah. <laughs> The ship keeps getting hit by thermionic discharges. And, um, you know, we're not physicians here, but I think if you've got a thermionic discharge, you should consult a doctor. Right. If it's not just urine, but also thermionics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad time. Thermionics that burn when they come out. Yeah. There's a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Harry, Mr. Career Advancement. Kim wants to uh, do an EVA to mine deuterium on the surface. Right. We can't let the opportunity slip away without at least trying. The running joke is uh, like, yeah, go ahead and make Harry do the worst job. So Tom Paris starts celebrating this funny idea and uh, 
gets to be the pilot on this mission. So turnabout is fair play. It is weird to see a one pip kind of ordering people around in this scene. And Janeway, to her credit, is like, uh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a bad idea at first until he kind of makes a better case for it. Yeah, yeah. He he's talking about like, hey, I'm four years into my career. I actually have some some notches in my belt. I'm I mean, both Delaney sisters, for example. Yeah. Not to mention a lot of on the job experience. Yeah. After the McLaughlin group, Harris is asking all the questions we are. Yeah. Who is this Harry Kim? Yeah. What is his dark secret? <laughs> Has he been taken over by an alien force? It didn't seem like you. Good. Even his walk is different, right? Like like he's kind of He's kind of big dogging it around. Yeah, swinging the shoulders a bit. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, you know, I, I want to start commanding the respect I deserve around here. I'm, I'm sick of being Ensign Punching Bag. Yeah. And um, this is a fair point. I think that this is kind of overdue in a way. The scene that really locked it for me was when he took his clarinet to the virtual shredder. Mm. <laughs> traded it in for a trombone. Yeah, right. Now he's got that trombone energy. Yeah. Tell me you love jazz. He's a real tromboner man. Yeah, sure is. He was stating the obvious again. They're taking a shuttle down. They don't want to risk beaming down. They do like a classic Star Trek shuttle landing where you don't get an exterior shot. Yeah. I was like, why no Why no exterior shot? We've got all these fancy render farms now. Yeah, like, I mean, the money shots come later in this yeah, episode. Yeah, they're totally saving it. Yeah. Like, I think that if you show the shuttle landing now, it's not as exciting to see the whole ship landing later. Yeah, you don't show the whole demon at this point in time. I love how Paris loses attitude control before the shuttle does. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good bit. I've been losing attitude control a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they're talking about like what this planet is like. And uh, it's sort of the description that we get of the asteroid in the Michael Bay movie. In Armageddon. Yeah. yeah. The asteroid named Dorothy or Betty. What was it? (laughs) Oh. Named after that guy's ex-wife. Right. She's a vicious life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape. I just remember the line like, Somebody says something like, you know, worst environment imaginable. That's all you had to say, man. Yeah. And it's like, I think he needed to give you the specifics. Right. There's like jets of gas coming out everywhere. It's super hot. Paris says that they're going to be human barbecue if their suits fail. And it's like, come on, Paris. You've got to know that barbecue is low and slow <laughs> and that grilling is about applying high heat directly. Am I making any sense here? I'm working with a new grill. Ben, I, you yeah. know I've moved. I think I told you that. Yeah. Moved to a new place, and this place came with its own grill. I had to uh, get rid of my old grill in favor of this one, and I cooked a chicken on it last night. Uh-huh. How'd it go? Burned it to a crisp. Oh, no. Have you changed fuels? Is it... It's it's propane, right? It's still propane. Well, yeah. that's, that's great, because you can taste the meat and not the heat with propane. I tell you what. Yeah. But it's just got different gas apertures when, when it's going. I mean, I did the... When you're cooking, you need to pay attention. Right. I was unpacking shit and cooking at the same time. And of course, the chicken caught on fire, <laughs> and I wasn't paying attention to it like an idiot. Yeah. This is where Hank Hill and I part ways, because... 
you know, he's very much of the like, you need to pay attention when you're cooking. Well, you should at least be in the same general vicinity of the cooking, which I'm, I wasn't. I'm a low and slow guy, unlike Tom Paris. I subscribe to the adage, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. <laughs> That's kind of sexy sounding. Yeah. <laughs> 500 degrees Kelvin is the temperature on this planet. Yeah. That is too hot for cooking chicken. Are we in the Kelvin timeline? We are now. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But we're in a first contact spacesuit. Have we talked about how the like the little grill under the face mask in these spacesuits is clearly hand drilled and like not that regular? No. It looks so bad when you see it in close up because the holes are just like not evenly spaced. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's 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 very distracting to me every time I watch a scene with these things. It's movie magic, Ben. Yeah, I guess so. Some prop designer or costume designer out there is getting really sad listening to you right now. Yeah, those were countless hours with a Dremel tool. (laughs) The conical Dremel. Yeah. Or or the pyramid Dremel. Yeah. That's the one you use, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all worship the pyramid Dremel. (laughs) (laughs) I like the planet set, though. It's It's a pretty advanced Star Trek cave set with some pretty deep vistas, like it it, we don't feel like we're, you know, right up against the psych the way we do in so many TNG away missions. Season one TNG dreams of an away team that looks like this. And the viscous metal that they find in pools all over the place looks really cool. Maybe it's just because I've been doing this a lot, but it looks like spilled paint to me. <laughs> spilled silver paint that hasn't been mixed. There's some weird like CG mixed with practical stuff that's like kind of surprisingly good in this episode too. Yeah, I do agree with that. Because like Harry's crouching over one of these pools and he's like, cool, I'm like, there's deuterium in this. And Tom Paris is like, I'm going to go over here and do something else. And it's it's like, have you guys not seen one horror movie? Like, don't split up. When they do split up and Paris is across the way doing his own thing, he he tells a joke and... He gets a very Adam-style reaction to that joke, which is <laughs> nothing. And that's how he knows something is wrong with Ensign Kim. Yeah, Ensign Kim, a known easy laugh. <laughs> and when Tom turns around, Ensign Kim is nowhere to be found. And he reaches into the pool, and there's some, like, CG rippling of yeah. the of the water. I was so surprised that Kim had been armist by this thing. Yeah, he got sucked right in. Yeah. And when he gets pulled out... There's none of this crud on his costume. You fall into some crud or something? Yeah, it just like disappears. This is why it had to be CG. You can't get this costume dirty. Imagine a metal Armus. Armus was bad enough made out of tar. No redeeming qualities. This would be metal, a, a skin of metal evil. Could Armus be assimilated? Wow, that's a great question. Where would you even put the tubules on Armus? I think you'd have to... Like, there's an episode of the hit Star Trek podcast, Greatest Trek, about an episode of Prodigy where Zero gets assimilated. Yeah. Zero is, like, in a container. Right. If you could put Armus in a container and then assimilate the container, maybe that's how you do it. <sighs> maybe that's why Armus wanted that shuttlecraft. Right. Because he wanted to go get assimilated. I'm not taking you anywhere. <laughs> I mean, if he can't be... That makes him an interesting guy, just sort of out there. Yeah. Yeah. Immune. 
Yeah. Due to being such a worthless piece of shit. Yeah. Tom is trying to rescue Harry, trying to get him back to the shuttle. Harry's oxygen has been compromised, so they don't have much time. We see some of this goo go into Tom's suit, and then he's compromised also. Yeah. These scenes happen so quickly, though, right? And they're so darkly lit that I had to back this up a couple of times to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. Yeah. And pretty quickly, like, they're both unable to breathe, and they, like, collapse in a tunnel Mm -hmm. face down on the floor. Mm -hmm. RSVP Tom and Harry. Yeah. It's too bad, too, because it feels like Kim was really coming into his own as a character with the confidence and so forth. Right. Yeah. This is really sad, but I'd like to uh, cut back to the comedic B story of Neelix pushing for getting to have a bed in Six Bay. Right. The deaths of two beloved characters (laughs) and the scene that follows. Yeah, I guess it it serves to underline how oblivious everyone on the ship is to what has happened to Tom and Harry because they're out of communication and just hoping that that goes well. Neelix is uh, Neelixing around in Six Bay and pissing off the EMA true feels very imposed upon. Where are we supposed to sleep? Anywhere but here. This is a sick bay, not a dormitory. Interesting strategy by Neelix to not look out for himself and his own bio bed and instead bring some hangers on into the moment. <laughs> this is the part where I was like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. if you want to get an easy yes, it's easier to get a yes when it's just you instead of like, hey, can I also invite four other people into VIP with me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe what he did was like, pick the crew members that he knew don't snore. Yeah. You know, like the request has more strength if there's a bunch of us that want it. Right. And also I could, if you know, if I pick my, my group, I know I'll get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Maybe that's what he's thinking. One of the dudes should have been the lightning bidet guy. <laughs> like, look, this guy was just here. Like, yeah. We could just stick him back in the bed where he was. We haven't even changed the sheet of paper that we pulled down over the bed to, you know, make it seem like it's clean in between patients. But you could just stick me back in the iron lung bed. I spent quite a bunch of time there. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and replicate me a lung while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. Why haven't you done that already? So Chicote is trying to, like, keep the peace here. God, what a fucking shitty job. You wanted to see me, Doctor? Oh, it's about time. Mr. Neelix is attempting to turn my sickbay into a flop house. Feels like the Chicote stock has been not great over the course of this season, right? Season four, not a great Chicote season. Yeah, but doesn't it seem like the EMH would be a pretty big power suck? And couldn't you... If you just had him on the mobile emitter and were only turning him on as needed to save the mobile emitter's battery, isn't that the way? Isn't that the way to save a bunch of energy? I mean, they started treating him like a person, and all of a sudden you got to make sacrifices. You give a hologram a cookie. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, the doc's pushback is what's ridiculous here. Like, the doc could have very real reasons for not having people in there but his reasons are stupid he likes to sing and he likes to stay up late at night even though the idea of night to a hologram person shouldn't make any sense at all night is a social construct yeah 
the very time of day is racist, Ben. <laughs> so, so that's going on. Chicote's trying to uh, trying to make them see eye to eye when he gets called up to the bridge, and Janeway is really worried about the lack of communications with their away team and has decided to put everyone else in danger also. She wants to go to blue alert. Right. I mean, it's kind of a weird raising of the stakes because Chakotay is like, look, I got to go down there and save him. And Janeway is like, no, you're too high a value to lose. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I've seen what you do to shuttles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're pot committed at this point to taking the ship down. Let us down easy, Commander. (laughs) Sounds great. This is the scene. They kept their special effects powder dry at the beginning of the episode for this sequence because... It is like, I feel like the second time we saw them land the ship, they reused a lot of the same effects shots as the first time they land the ship in the series. But this is like a whole new suite of effects shots. It looks awesome. It looks dangerous. You know, like, I feel like the demon class's danger has been overstated at this point. If they feel like it's a good gamble to land the ship on it. Yeah. Like, how is a planet that is dangerous to even go in orbit of safe enough to land on? It's nuts. <laughs> I mean, the bangers are hitting them hard. The shields are are crashing. Finally, they land. Brace for impact. Yeah, and, and it's like the damage report is we're not getting off the surface anytime soon. This is like the hard landing in a commercial aircraft that like, Sends the plane into the hangar for a while. Right, right. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to replace the gear. Yeah, to make this thing airworthy again. What a gamble, right? Like they they absolutely have to leave this planet with deuterium now. Yeah. BLT walks back into the episode. She's not on maternity leave at all. No, nope. she's not in the office for one day. She's like, I want to go on the adventure. Like, put me in, coach. Right, and immediately gets sidelined, though. (laughs) She's ready to play in the game, but Chakotay goes, no way. You think I can't control myself? I think you're a little too close to this. You're damn right I am. This planet is 500 degrees Kelvin. We don't need somebody that's already hot-headed out there. Mm. You can't even regulate your own temperature. (laughs) You think you're going to be comfortable out there? Yeah. (laughs) So, So it's a no, and then... Like, people are just trying to sleep in Six Bay and the EMH is being a total bastard to them. Yeah, it sucks. Like, if there is a way that you can aggressively do chores, that's what the doc is doing. Oh, that's the only way I do chores. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to take the garbage cans out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a passive-aggressive measuring contest that it seems like the doc is going to win. I mean... It does seem like that at the beginning, but Neelix is like, you think you're annoying? (laughs) How about a sing-along? Neelix is great at taking something that you enjoy and making that unenjoyable by volume. Yeah, right. Hey, I heard you like singing. Yeah. How about we do some singing on top of your singing? Yeah, he's the exhibit of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we cut back to the away team and they're like, stomping around on the planet's surface looking for everyone. I was shocked that Tom and Harry just left the back of their shuttle open. I thought the same thing. 
Like, can you imagine how hot the upholstery is if it's been baking in 500 Kelvin heat? Oh, man. That's like, uh, you know, getting into a Camaro's and like sitting with short shorts on the Naga hide. Yeah, this is no good. That's not, not, not good. It seems like every time somebody touches the, the liquid in these pools, yeah, something bad happens. And Seven comes really close. It's one of those like, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? Yeah. Oh. The- <laughs> There's an insanity to this moment because Seven and Chakotay are on a search and rescue mission. But Seven sees the deuterium and is like, oh, I better go get a sample of that. It's like going on a search and rescue mission after an avalanche, but getting into a snowball fight before before you find the people buried. (laughs) Yeah. We'll collect the deuterium later. As you wish. First things first, Seven. Yeah. We have established that this planet has deuterium. Yeah, we know. It's okay. (laughs) They keep moving. They're still looking for Tom and Harry. Chakotay almost almost becomes a cliff kid. Yeah. It was very scary to see that. Yeah. The ledge gives way and Seven starts to pull him up with the help of Tom Paris. And Tom Paris is uh, not in his spacesuit. He's just in his regular ass uniform. He's become demon compatible. He's raw dogged the pull up. Because <laughs> you see like the gloved hand of a Seven yeah. help Chakotay, but then you see the nude hand. Yeah. Yeah. Of the Paris. Paris is hitting it raw. Yeah. He's feeling everything. Mm-hmm. It's what he's wanted all along. Yeah. He had to learn from Harry how to do this. I know. You know? Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm going to say this once. Do it. After the commercial, Paris explains just how great it is to not wear a suit out here. It's, yeah. It's wonderful. It's like when you're a kid who's afraid of the water and you suddenly realize that you can swim. I feel great. I've I've never breathed air this fresh. Anyways, come deeper into the cave. I found a ton of deuterium back there. And I was like, okay, this is evil Paris, like luring them to their certain deaths. If he were a little more chilled out about how pleasurable it was to not wear a suit, I'd be ready to fall for this. Yeah. But he is so hyped up. Like he's a raver kid about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever fucked breathing demon atmosphere? He's like doing digits, finger dancing, and like messing around with a glow stick. And he's like, this is awesome. You have to try it. And the story he tells about how he ended up where he was just does not make any sense at all. He's like, so I passed out, and then I woke up, and then I was breathing, and I wasn't wearing a suit, and I don't know where the suit is, but this planet is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool story, man. So you uh, you took your rubber off. You don't know when. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> There's a mania to Paris that is reflected by Chakotay in like a totally stoic Chakotay way that right. is really funny to me. Go ahead. Take your helmets off. Try it. I'm glad you're feeling all right. But none of us should be taking any risks until we know exactly what's going on. So many science fiction things have been about, like, the taking the helmet off was a mistake. Yeah. And uh, I like seeing Chakotay stick to his guns here. I know. So the actor who plays Vorik got the haircut. You need to stick him in this episode. So he gets an interstitial here that serves to tell the viewer how little time we have left before the ship Loses power altogether. It's I couldn't two hours. believe we got Vorik. I, th- yeah. I feel like it's been a season since we've seen Vorik. I wonder if production-wise, 
you get Vorik on the on deck circle in case Roxanne Dawson's recovery takes longer and That's then you make Vorik the yeah. engineer of the episode right for storytelling purposes yeah I think she's doing really good subtle stuff because when he walks up to her and says lieutenant she's like huh. yeah she doesn't even look at him <laughs> yeah she's instead of looking at him she just kicks him like like a horse she just <laughs> Doesn't even turn around. She just kicks out behind her, right yeah. in the nuts. Yeah, indeed. They really cut it close on the uh, on the power situation, but uh, they're getting everything back working. You know, like they're going to have transporters, which will be good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're they're going to need some deuterium really soon. Right back on the planet where the deuterium is, Paris has led Chakotay and Seven to where Kim is, and Kim is also not wearing. An environmental suit. And he is, if you can believe it, even more euphoric than Paris about this circumstance. He fucking loves it down here. And he's (laughs) like, you guys don't know what you're missing. You gotta try it. Commander, isn't it incredible? That's what I've been trying to tell them. I think everyone has felt like Jakotay and Seven before. Like, being the late attendees to a party after everyone is pretty smashed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like knowing you need to catch up, but maybe maybe it's just too late to catch up. Maybe right. you shouldn't even start. You're not going to get into that headspace and you're going to be too tight. Ta- like by the time you're getting drunk, you're also going to need to sleep. Yeah. And there's kind of a tediousness to Kim and Paris. Like just being around them is like, all right, I get it. <laughs> maybe coming to this party wasn't a good idea anyway. Maybe I'm just not in the mood. Yeah. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but we're going back to Voyager. So uh, they convince them, like, hey, like, let's take some of this deuterium and beam back to the ship now that the uh, transporters are back working. And they materialize on the transporter pad, and Tom and Harry immediately are not doing well. Yeah. The air on the ship hits really hard, and uh, they start coughing, which is only going to get them super high. Yeah, the harder you cough, right? Yeah. And it's like these guys have never hit a bong before, man. <laughs> Slowly in and out. Yeah, I mean they're beamed directly to Six Bay afterwards, and the doc puts them behind a force field and fills that area with with demon air. Yeah, pretty quick thinking by the doc, mm-hmm. and pretty quick like formulation of a theory, which is that if terraforming a planet is making it habitable to human life bioforming a person is a planet making the person compatible with the planet. Yeah. So so they've been bioformed is the working theory here. What a concept. And they're no longer able to live in an environment like Voyager. They have to live in a demon environment. And so Harry is like, hey man, like send me back in the game, coach. <laughs> yeah, he's like, are you saying you that we need to go back down there to live? Because, okay. <laughs> I kind of like that Tom gets stuck not getting to go back. Kim is outranked by Tom. I'm shocked at the number of times this episode Paris doesn't pull rank on him. Yeah, that seems to be sort of an unspoken thing about their relationship is like they're such good friends that they kind of don't observe rank around each other. That's nice. Like Harry doesn't have to call Tom sir at work or anything. I like that. That's good. That's a classy move by Tom. On the planet, Seven, Chakotay, and Demon Kim <laughs> are walking around. And Kim appears to be 
seeing a planet that no one else is. Like he has seen the demon planet after it's taken off its glasses and shaken off its hair. Mm, yeah. And has like walked down the steps to prom. Right. And uh, this planet's looking good yeah. to Kim. I think it's breathtaking. Breathtaking. Yes. Chakotay and Seven just can't see it because they're like, but the planet's hair is in a bun. Yeah. And it's wearing uh, like coveralls that have a little bit of paint on it because yeah. it's so artsy. Yeah. How could you think that this planet is hot? This planet is never going to win Homecoming Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Not if we have anything to say about it. Kim is like, I bet you this planet can. And uh, that the fact that it was a bet becomes a big problem a little bit later on. <laughs> my bet? Am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet? Seven picks up some humanoid life signs not far away. And that's interesting. Who else is on this planet? It's a, uh, hey, let's go find out what that is. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, like, you got to be careful in, in any Star Trek context that you might be violating the prime directive. Yeah. And um, if they're mining somebody's planet unknowingly, that would be bad. It would be. Yeah. So they head off. And in the uh, science lab, the captain and BLT are working on a sample of this deuterium goo. And some of it touches BLT and forms a perfect thumb. Yeah. It's sort of like founder goo. It is. Except silver, not gold. Do they keep the thumb? Like, we don't follow up with the thumb later. And I think if you're BLT, you got to hold on to that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Put it under glass. Or maybe in the end, like, they have to leave it because, uh, yeah. you know, be cruel or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, back on the planet, Harry finds his own dead body. This is such a trip. This is very Twilight Zone-y. Yeah. Tom and Harry are in their spacesuits where where we last saw them. They have been found face down, at least. Right. Which, to some cultures, is the best way to die. Chakotay is so relieved about this. Yeah. Kim and Paris have not gone to the hereafter, though. No. They're alive. How are they alive? Their suits were running out of air. It's explained away very weakly that, like, even though you run out of air in a spacesuit, there is some minimal life-saving things these EV suits can do. Wow. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got a question about Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 24, Demons. You got two crew people wearing environmental suits made out of Dremels, and you expect me to believe that once they run out of air, there's some other system... That keeps the birdies alive? Uh, and, um, a demon-class planet is not something we've heard of previously in the canon. Uh, I noticed they were laying face down. Did you ever think of it calling it a crazy beast class planet? Get a life. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Or not if you just drunk gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. 
That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Outside of Voyager, a pool of spilled silver paint grows. Yeah. It's got sort of like quicksand energy because the ship is like slowly sinking in it. Yeah. And this is just heightening, you know, the uh, the danger to the ship. The uh, we need to get some deuterium on board quick, fast thing seems to have sort of gotten solved. But now the planet is is like consuming the, the entire ship with this goo. The ship is clearly sad. 
And that's why it's sinking into mm. this mud. Mm. You hate to see that happen to a starship in the prime of its life. I know. This is a real Artax problem here with the ship. <laughs> Got to figure it out. Everyone knew that whoever let the sadness overtake him would sink into the swamp. Kim and Paris are still alive. And when Chakotay asks for the beam back to Six Bay for five people. Five? I can't explain it. The unsuited Kim, the demon Kim, if you will, starts to freak out. Yeah. He does not want to go and he runs away. He runs away. <laughs> he doesn't want to go back. Yeah. It seems like a dangerous place to even walk with like any sort of speed. Yeah. You want to be careful. Right. There's little jets of steam coming out everywhere. Yeah. There's thermionic discharges. The reason this is such a crucial moment is because they're the Voyager's in a hurry. They need to take off. Yeah. They are sinking at such a speed that they can't wait for Demon Kim. They got to leave him down there. There's coffee in getting off this planet. That was like discussed like when they first filled the volume of uh, force fielded six bay with gas Mm -hmm. that like oh my god like we might have to leave tom and harry here because this is the only place they can survive now yeah and that was met with some like despair but now it's like all kim wants and when they're talking about hey we gotta we gotta take off tom paris is like pacing back and forth in six bay like i don't fucking want to do it man don't take me with you the idea of being left on a planet is a concept we've seen before with chakotay and janeway right but and Tom's we, not going to make Harry a bathtub. Not only that, we know how weak those shelters are in like just a standard issue storm. Right. Those things aren't going to hold up on a demon class planet. Starfleet doesn't make a demon class shelter. Yeah. They make bullshit shelters for M class planets. <laughs> <laughs> the ship is having a hard time getting out of the mud here. And... The thrusters are clearly not enough to get them up. Something is restraining them. It's not just about the sink. It's that something is grabbing them and holding them. They're stuck in the metal mud. And the captain is like on the radio with Demon Kim saying like, you know that this is like a a huge problem for us. And Tom and and Kim are both saying like, yeah, like, like we don't get it either. Like we don't know why there's other copies of us that aren't like this. This is one of those moments where Janeway knows the score and does not share that score with anyone else because her conversation with Kim reveals that her hunch is true, that there's some sort of connection between Kim and the spilled paint. And maybe one way to get leverage is to shoot the ship's phasers at the paint. Yeah, the theory has gone from they're bio, they've been bioformed to there's something else going on. Yeah. Maybe they're like some kind of duplers. Yeah. So maybe we like try to embarrass them or uh, right. you know compliment them really sincerely or something. Harry, <laughs> you have chosen the clarinet. Why? <laughs> of all the instruments. One of the Delaney sisters said that you finished a little faster than she would have hoped. <laughs> The other one was very satisfied. Most people stopped having that haircut (laughs) a couple of years ago. And look at you holding on because you're afraid to try new things. They start talking about the, the paint as silver blood. Yeah. And 
Well, we come to understand through like they get like demon Kim up on the transporter pad so that there can be a face-to-face conversation between him and the captain. And it's like, yeah, like there's this like complex material that had like instinct or, or something, but not intelligence and interacting with an intelligence showed the silver blood that there was something called intelligence that was possible. And it spontaneously started doing it. Like it catalyzed the silver blood to do its own intelligence, but it's like, I want more. Like I want, I want everybody on the ship to, to give me some of their intelligence. It's like a neutral Armis, right? When the D found Armis, they were already fully evil and, you know, able to experience what it's like to have a form of sentience. Mm-hmm. But this neutral armist had no idea what it would be like to have these kind of thoughts or become a person in the way that they became by becoming Kim in Paris. Yeah, it wasn't dank and vile. It was kind of like neutral and fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, any more neutral and fine is like the best you can do, right? I kind of appreciate it. Yeah. So... There's sort of like this weird moment of this almost becomes transactional where Janeway realizes like, oh, well, I can get as much deuterium as I'm ever going to need from this guy that thinks he's Harry Kim if I just give DNA samples of my entire crew to him. But also while holding the ship's phaser banks to the paint's head here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a little bit under duress, but also she gives the silver blood exactly what it wants. Yeah. You want to duplicate the rest of this crew and populate this planet. And like, it happens really fast. <laughs> like the end of this episode is bug nuts to me. Like just how, how swiftly this becomes the plan and like how there isn't like a all hands meeting where she pitches this to the crew. Nobody gets to vote on it. Well, I interpreted it as a voluntary thing, like uh, meet in the cargo bay and I'll pitch you this idea. Yeah, I guess so. But like, I mean, it looked like the whole crew standing on the surface. <laughs> it looked like a lot of people. And you're right. The abruptness of not just the conclusion of the episode, but the solution to the problem in proximity to its conclusion. Yeah. Was unusual. The resolution of the episode is sort of elliptical and you just realize that a lot of people did this because with the closing credits coming up on the screen, a shot of Voyager taking off while a couple hundred crew people mill around on the surface. It's a Tom Riker problem because they've made a hundred Thomas Rikers and just left them behind. And like a hundred Thomas Rikers with the full diversity of kinds of expertise that you would have in star trek so these are people that know how to like create technology and do things yeah and like (laughs) the implications of this are fucking bonkers there's a planet with an entire starship crew that like breathe a different atmosphere that they just left behind the thing about euphoria is that it eventually fades What happens two weeks from now (laughs) where they're like, cool, we're in a beautiful place. What do we do? Yeah. Like, are they bored at a certain point? Like, 
there's no like other stimulus. Like they didn't leave a computer set behind with yeah. uh, with a bunch of movies and stuff for them to do. It's unclear whether anything at all was left with them besides like the occasional round pelican case on a strap. Yeah. I like the one person waving. <laughs> yeah. That person actually used to work at a Utopia Planitia shipyard and, and used to wave to the starships as they pulled out of space dock. <laughs> I'm going to set up a jewelry exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like this very weird episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I liked a couple of parts of it. I liked the great spin on the Star Trek Caves playset. Like, this is a promotion for the Star Trek Caves. Like, yeah. we can do this now in a really fun way. Yeah. Great Caves episode. Great Caves episode. Bad Janeway episode. Really bad Janeway episode. Because I think the buck stops with you. Like, you're the driver on the road trip, and it's up to you to figure out where and when to stop to make sure you're not pulled over on the side of the road with a hood up. Right. Bad planning, Janeway. <laughs> not good. Gasoline. We can't get the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour. And finally... The absurdity of the copied crew left behind. I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of like, is this a story that's like the faster we get out of this and into the credits, if we don't give a viewer any time to think about this, they will not consider how ridiculous this choice is. Because this, the end of this episode is double middle fingers to the Thomas Riker episode in TNG. <laughs> this is like, you didn't have to make a whole episode about this. You didn't have to talk about the morality of a copy or anything. Yeah. I thought if one thing were clear by now, it's that you and I play things a little differently. Like, you can just make copies and leave them behind. <laughs> it's so wild. And also, where's the thumb? Yeah. Where's so, BLT's thumb? So that's presumably like a... like. Hey, we're going to need the thumb also, because before you came, the silver blood yeah. was, you know, entirely instinct based. But when it realized it could do thumb, you know, it had to do thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did when it went into the spacesuit, when it went into Paris's leg, pretty high up on the leg, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just a little sample. It could have created anything. Just a, a single bagged testicle. <laughs> Just rolling around. <laughs> rolling around on a dirty planet. Yeah. Ben, what about you? I kind of love this episode. Yeah. I love how just unrestrained and mad it is. It seems so wild to me that they left a planet behind with an entire crew. Like, boy... Do you think Star Trek Prodigy could do something with this? Like, is this ever going to get called back in any Star Trek timeline? Like the it's right there. It like it is so interesting. It is such a pregnant ending. Also, wouldn't you like to know who chose to volunteer their DNA versus who didn't? Yeah. Like, did the captain? <laughs> yeah, because because if she did, maybe you know what? I bet they had to restrict it. Well, no, because. 
was I was thinking like the captain couldn't because then Omega is something that these people are aware of. But she told the whole senior staff about Omega, so they all know. it doesn't matter because the first two people that got silver blood assimilated are Tom and Harry. That's another question. Did they get seven? Is there a, a silver blood Borg? Could the Borgs assimilate silver bloods? All of these questions are things I'm curious about. Is there slash fiction of Demon Chicote and Demon Janeway <laughs> getting down? Yeah, yeah. She's taking a bath in like methane or something, you know, something crazy because it's a, a Y-class planet. How do you build a bathtub for this stuff? I don't know. It just goes right through spacesuits. It'd probably go right through a rock bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What a crazy episode. Uh, let's see if we have anything in the Priority One inbox, Adam. What do you say? Nothing in our P1 inbox will be as crazy as this episode. That's what I think. <laughs> You're probably right. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we've got a couple of P1s here. The first one is of a personal nature, and it is from Jason, that guy 42. It's to Ben Adam and Friends of DeSoto on GWJ. Goes like this. Hey, Ben and Adam, I was drunk when I bought this. I don't remember buying it. Maybe throw a Kern drop and voice here. You don't remember buying this P1, but I don't remember anything. <laughs> It's not the same. Do you ever wake up <laughs> with an empty wallet? <laughs> I do every day. It goes on to say, but Max Fun reached out and told me to submit a message. So <laughs> wow, that's nice. So let me just say that I love you. I love the pod. And shout out to all the friends of DeSoto on gamerswithjobs.com. Hmm. Cheers. P.S. How about a row Laren drop? Because I love it. Well, uh, we can do that for you, that guy 42. I love the idea that that guy 42 made a P1, paid for it, and then didn't fill out the form. <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know about the Maximum Fun Network. Like... They're not going to do you dirty like that. They're they gonna... will find your wallet and take it to the lost and found. Yeah. That's what this is. It really is. Hey, did anyone lose $100? <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from Tyler, and it is to Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. I was indignant and shook when I heard that heinous glitter bomb crook. <laughs> but Adam and Ben, he'll have to contend... With a phaser in hand or airy Dorothy's friend. Glitter you may find, the remnant left behind, but far more bright your stars have always shined. Thank you too for all you do, and don't let morons make you blue. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, Tyler. That was a, a lovely bit of verse and love a lovely rendition of that verse by you, Adam. You think? Yeah. I don't know. I felt a little off. I think you've got a, a beautiful voice for poetry. You should slam sometime. Mm. The more I've thought about it, the, the more I think it was just a bad bit moment. And who are we 
to to get especially mad at anyone else for having a bad bit moment. I don't think it was a bad bit moment. I think it was mean and bad. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, that's where we part ways. We're at, we're at glitterheads on this, man. I guess we are. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a nice message here of support from the many friends of DeSoto. Yeah, I've uh, I've appreciated all of them. If you'd like to say something to us, whether you're drunk, sober, or outraged about glitter, mm-hmm. you can go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron and set it up today. We really appreciate it. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Got to give it to Janeway this episode. I think the episode may sell her short in how, like, it It sort of felt like the episode ran out of time to let her process the fullness of the, mm-hmm. of the ask that the silver blood demon Kim was making. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the just staggeringly quick turnaround from figuring out what was going on to leaving the planet with her entire crew replicated being left behind just seemed like a a really surprising choice for the commander of a ship to make and i mean that coupled with the hey we're running out of gas in the middle of the highway energy at the beginning of the episode was uh just no no, no good looks in this episode for janeway yeah and yeah do the people that they leave like they they have the consciousnesses and memories and stuff of the people that they replicate do they want to go home or is that like the one thing that's different about them is that they love demon planet and they want to stay there that's one aspect to this story that is not super clear to me like by portraying kim and paris's feelings toward the planet the way that they do are is that suggesting that those feelings supersede all other feelings that these copies have yeah (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I'm going to make my Shimoda BLT. Okay. Because there is a missing scene in this episode. And that scene is BLT going to visit Demon Paris in the Six Bay. Why didn't she do that? She never does. Yeah. And I, I think we can guess why that doesn't happen for production reasons. Maybe Roxanne Dawson is on light duty. Yeah. But that is a pretty glaring omission as characters go. Yeah. And you do get the the scene where BLT tells Chakotay, you know, you better bring better bring back my boy. <laughs> bring a fucking badass with you to help. But that there is no shared scene between them. I don't know. It just felt like there was a, a big hole in the story. One of many. One of many holes. Oh. <laughs> unfilled this episode and for that reason she's gonna be my drunk shimoda wow good shimoda what a weird episode yeah adam were we supposed to do this episode in a particular way god i hope not no we were on a regular square we were on square 25 but uh let's find out if we have to do the next episode in a particular way that would be interesting to find out, we're going to gach.biz slash game, where the game of buttholes, Will of the Caretaker, awaits. The next episode is season four, episode 25. One. Seven must deal with an almost complete solitude 
when the crew must go into protective stasis for a month in order to cross a dangerous nebula. <laughs> wow. Sort of uh, reminds me of Prometheus, the, yeah. the robot character that stays awake the entire time. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, uh, that'll be next week. As I mentioned, we are on square 25. We do have a naked now square that we could hit out in front of us there. I know that would be a big thrill for you, Adam. Famously, that is my exit ramp <laughs> from the show. That's where you uh, That's where you get off? Yeah. That's where Adam stops being a part of the show. Yeah. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right. Gonna go ahead and roll this bone. Wish me luck. I've rolled a one, Adam. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So we're on square 26. The naked now remains a hazard. You're gonna make me roll it. <laughs> the ultimate indignity. <laughs> well, uh, next week we will be reviewing one in a normal way. Looking forward to that. If you can call this show normal. It's definitely not. One way that distinguishes our show from the other Miriam Star Trek shows out there. The great amount of support we receive from the Friends of DeSoto. That's true. It's the reason we continue to exist. Financial support. Financial support. If you've got five bucks a month and you appreciate this show, head to MaximumFun.org slash join. Get signed up today and uh, you'll get immediate access to our monthly bonus episodes behind the paywall there. And uh, we really, really appreciate it. It's how, how this whole thing gets to keep on going. Five bucks. That's it. Five bucks a month. You're not going to miss that. Do it. We got to thank our producer, Wendy Pretty, who makes this all run as smoothly as it does. Uh, she does great work on the edits and great work on herding the cats that are Ben and Adam. And uh, we really appreciate her. We also appreciate Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs the At Greatest Trek social media accounts. Give those a follow. They're really fun. Yeah, At Greatest Trek on Twitter, At Greatest Trek on Instagram. Yeah, join a community of friends of DeSoto. There's a great big one on Facebook, one on Reddit, one on uh, DrunkShmoda.com Discord server. Yeah, you were just over there yesterday. Yeah, I was hanging out on the Discord the other day, uh, just uh, cutting it up. I'll, you do this too from time to time. Just pop over there, mm-hmm. hang out. Mm-hmm. You know, people will ask questions and stuff, but uh, mostly it's just a, a joke around. Let's uh, let's have fun. I'm going to get on a flight in a few days. Maybe that's what I'll do while I'm on the plane. I like that idea. we got to thank Nick Dittmore, who made our show art. Got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original Janeway song, uh, working on the inspiration of uh, Dark Materia, who made the original Picard song. Follow Adam Ragusea all over the internet. He's making great cooking videos and a great podcast, uh, largely about cooking, but also about how weird it is to be like a suddenly YouTube famous dude when, yeah. when he was just like minding his own business being a college professor before. He's a very thoughtful dude. I yeah. like listening to him. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that's a lot like Prometheus in that there's the robot that stays awake for the journey, but then also there's people taking off their helmets at inopportune moments. Oh. Uh, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like that. It's like, what is this, Demon 2? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's very Demon 2, because Paris and Kim did that this episode. Yeah, yeah. 
Prometheus is basically just a ripoff of these two episodes, right? Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. Make it so. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.